Hey Britain, we did a podcast, but internet media weren't meant to last. I still hear your fingers all over your microphone. You were E.T. to my Elliot. Now won't you phone home? Please don't leave, Britain. Your family misses. Your awful ambient noise and defeating disses. You may have preferred Lars Ruski's hors d'oeuvres, but like the captain says, the power is yours. Come on back to us, pretty boy. Hashtag don't leave Britain. Welcome back to Middling Delights. This is episode six. We've made it to the last episode of the series or the season. Uh, We don't know. Maybe. We'll see what happens. You know, it's been about eight weeks since we heard from Britain on Administrative Professionals Day. And I am just a little bit worried. I am hoping that he's doing okay out there. I don't know what to do to try to help him, but... If you, you know, hear this broadcast, Britain, know that we're thinking about you and we care about you and that you're loved. So, Mike, our audience member today is actually Dutch and Dutch is a professional bowler from Naperville, Illinois, 56 years old, who prefers not to disclose gender. And today is summer solstice. Happy summer solstice, Dutch. Mike, why don't you let Dutch know what's happening on the show today? Well, Dutch, I think you're going to be very pleased with part two of this great interview we have with best-selling author Mark McRae. Kind of wrote the book about Saturday morning cartoons. We got deeply into Captain Planet, as you recall, last episode. And now there's some exciting new developments around Captain Planet, some things that maybe you didn't know have transpired from the original airings of Captain Planet. New discoveries were made, so to speak. So I think we're going to get into that, Sean. And of course, Part two of an exclusive that, frankly, you know, if part two is as good as part one, I think I need a second bag of popcorn for this one. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what he has to say, although it is a bit of a downer, I have to say. I hope that he's doing okay too. Right, Sean, I agree. But, you know, even this warming planet is a rainbow. Yeah, true. Here and there sometimes. Yeah, you know, I think Captain Planet... Gosh, my heart just goes out to the guy. You know, he's doing what he can. And I think of like athletes as they age. It must be tough to try to, you know, live up to the past glory. But anyway, we're going to get to that. But before we do, we need to talk to Mark again. Because as you mentioned, Mark, the author of Best Saturdays of Our Lives, and he also hosts a podcast by that name, he is rejoining us. So happy summer solstice, Mark, and welcome back. Yeah. Happy summer solstice. It's so awesome to be back on the show. And it's summer. I love it. Uh, I know. I'm sitting here in my t-shirt. <laughs> I got my flip-flops on. It's like summer's finally here. Uh, 
Well, we wanted to have you back because in the episode five, we only got to talk about the first incarnation of Captain Planet and the Planeteers. But the series was then reintroduced in 93 as the new adventures of Captain Planet. And there were a few changes that went on behind the scenes. Can you tell us a little bit about what was different when the series came back? Yeah. So when the series came back, by this time, Ted Turner was in business with the Hanna-Barbera Studios. You know, there had been an acquisition of the Hanna-Barbera Library and Cartoon Network was started around the fall of 1992. So it sort of made sense or was good timing. Well, I have access or partnership with Hanna-Barbera. Why not create an entire new Captain Planet series. And so that was the thinking, you know, and the business reason behind why a new series was created. Deke Enterprises had done the first version and some years had passed. And so now you have the perfect partnership of a network Mm -hmm. that is partnering with a studio. So it just seemed like a good marriage. And why not create a new show? Now, are there any differences in the animation style to note? I noticed Deke had kind of, in some of their action sequences, it looked like those tweener frames, you know, where it just kind of mm-hmm. skips forward. But then Hanna-Barbera is also known for its repeating backgrounds. Right. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag, but <laughs> anything come to mind for you in the difference of the style? I didn't see a big difference. It seemed like Hanna-Barbera was definitely trying to keep the style that was established by Deke Enterprises. And Hanna-Barbera is an old hat at doing things like this. There was a show called The New Adventures of Sinbad. It was about this kid who's on a pirate ship by himself. Again, you know, I don't know where child services was when all these shows were going (laughs) on. Yeah. (laughs) And he would pull on his belt and just kind of like blow up and just become super strong and start, you know, beating everyone up. And the original company, an executive producer named Sam Singer, that company had gone out of business. And the parent company approached Hanna-Barbera about making more episodes. And as a kid watching these two shows, I didn't realize until I became an adult that it was two separate different episodes. And all Hanna-Barbera was hired to do, they were hired to duplicate what the previous studio had done so that the viewers at home, you know, didn't really see that big of a difference. Now, you know, obviously still had, you know, some Hanna-Barbera touches in terms of character design, but for the most part, the shows were pretty identical. And a while ago, someone had put a split screen up with both series, you know, showing the original animation studio versus Hanna-Barbera in a split scene, you know, it was pretty cool. But I think, you know, YouTube took it down for whatever reason. Yeah, you can't find much of this Captain Planet content on YouTube at all, I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. And I was looking, I was really looking for some type of animation difference, Mm -hmm. but I didn't really see much of it. Although I have to say there were probably early uses of 3D animation in the new adventures of Captain Planet because around 81, when Hanna-Barbera started doing the Smurf series, they were experimenting with some early CGI, but it was something that the studios didn't really talk about or brag about 
but they knew this new technology was coming. It's interesting how they replicate the illustration style, but with three-dimensional depth. I don't know if that was used in the opening sequence, but I noticed they were using, you know, what we call Z-space, which is like linear 3D depth. In the title sequence, there's like these things that kind of come at the camera. Oh, yeah, yeah. The show opened traditionally, you know, the animation companies always put just a little bit more money in the show open because that is supposed to grab the viewer. And then yeah. once you start watching the series itself, it's an entire different, like the animation yeah. isn't popping <laughs> like that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Definitely noticed that in this return series. But there were other changes to the cast as well. Yeah. So, you know, Margot Kidder took over the role that was previously done by Whoopi Goldberg playing the part of Gaia. Right. Mother Earth. Mother Earth. And I believe that change was done was because Whoopi Goldberg's career at that point, her movie career was in full gear. And she just probably didn't have enough time to voice the part. Yeah, those early mid 90s was probably the sister act years, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So, you know, I mean, like this new adventures of Captain Planet is going to be a lot of episodes and a lot of time. And, you know, not that I'm saying that someone is too busy to do a Saturday morning show. But one of the things I've been reading about lately is that People like Henry Fonda and actors like Fred McMurray, anytime they did television, they would film all of their parts for the entire season ahead of time so that it would free them up to mm -hmm. do movies. And again, I'm just hearing about this. I don't even know if things like that were done, you know, back in the day, but it would have been cool if Whoopi Goldberg could have found a way to make this work you know, to do the voice again based on her schedule. But that takes a lot of mechanics and keeping everyone happy on both sides. You know what I mean? For sure. Well, Margot Kidder's no slouch. I mean, she had the yeah. Superman movies to her credit. And I feel like they were both, as we talked in the last episode, in the activist vein. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. The casting seemed to have a sort of element of cause celebre. They're getting people because they're behind this sort of nascent environmental movement. Right. We did talk a little bit about these pro-social episodes, and there's an interesting one in season four. We call it season four, but the first season of the new Adventures of Captain Planet. It was Tears in the Hood, like Planeteers in the Hood, Tears in the Hood. Right. What can you tell us about that episode? Can you give us a little background on it? Oh, yeah. Well, again, and I probably mentioned this in the last episode, too. There was a Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids that was syndicated that did not run on Saturday morning and that dealt with gun violence. And at the mm -hmm. end of that episode, you know, a kid was killed. And I feel like Tears in the Hood sort of picks up where the Fat Albert episode left off. I mean, in terms of making the story a little bit more dangerous, a little bit more progressive. First of all, I mean, these gangbangers, they're in school and they're fighting and carrying on and everybody is ducking for cover. You know, the teachers aren't trying to break up the fights at all. You know, they're just trying to survive. And it kind of reminds me of when I was in middle school, we had our little, you know, graduation party and these kids from the high school snuck in 
and they were in a gang and all the teachers knew that these kids did not go to our school, but they were a little afraid. Now, these kids didn't do anything. They crashed our graduation party so that they can break dance. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, but still it was like the teachers were still sort of afraid. So I felt like Tears in the Hood, like really captured the realistic situation of adults and teachers in charge, knowing that they may have some kids in their classrooms that may be gangbangers, but maybe be afraid to do something about it. One of the other cool things about the episode that I liked was that there were messages from Martin Luther King and people who were all about, you know, fighting civil rights. And I thought that that was like a really nice touch to the episode. It's almost like you can go down the violent route and, you know, have a lot of strife and negativity and death, or you can go the civil rights route where you can come together for peace and togetherness and bring the community together. They show Gandhi, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King on a, like a school classroom monitor or something, and illustrations right. of them, along with quotes. It even had sort of a dedication at the beginning where it said, inspired by so-and-so's class. So I think it was maybe the writer had a teacher that had used that same lesson plan or something. I noticed in fandom, there were some people, you know, in 2021 commenting like that was a bit heavy-handed or exaggerated as far as its treatment of like the danger of gangs. I don't know if you have an opinion on that. Yeah, I do. I think it's okay if it was a little heavy handed because I think if it wouldn't have been heavy handed, then you would have the opposite effect. It would have been a comparison of someone saying, well, that was a pretty lighthearted episode. They didn't really show the realities of gang violence. And so I think for this particular episode, they pushed the boundaries story-wise, as far as they possibly could. And I think it was a good choice to do that. Well, and you know, like Boys in the Hood brought those circumstances to more of a mainstream audience. And so I think Mm -hmm. they were taking a cue from that. And apparently they used some of the music from the movie soundtrack is what I've read. From Boys in the Hood? Yeah. Wow. But I can't imagine they would have the licensing for that. I don't know if they just like kind of replicated it. (laughs) They probably replicated it. You know, like at the end of the day, animation is super expensive. And I just couldn't see unless it was a special sponsorship. Because like back in the day, a sponsor might pay for the music cues for a special. And that special would run in prime time. So things like that were done. But I feel like for this particular series, and because it kind of falls under the syndicated umbrella, I feel like they probably just duplicated some of that music and got away with it. Or maybe they did. You know, like Hanna-Barbera, you know, part of their reputation is to take somebody else's idea and brand it their own. And I wouldn't be too surprised. Like currently, Teen Titans Go!, They do that all the time. If you listen to a lot of their musical cues, it sounds like a hit song. It's just off. Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. By enough. 
I know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> because it's common in music libraries, right? Well, they'll, right. they'll just have some song and it sounds like, you know, Britney Spears, but it's slightly different or something slightly like that. Slightly different. Yeah. yeah. But one other thing I remember about this episode, I'm looking at this production still and over Kwame's shoulder, I see from the Hanna-Barbera, a familiar duo. You know about this cameo in this episode? Yeah, yeah. So I checked it out. I checked it out. And it's Velma and Shaggy. And I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. They're standing in the background by the lockers. There's another scene right. where they kind of walk through the back. They're like background actors. Right, right, right. Exactly. And they never show them from the front. They always show them from the back. Yeah. <laughs> but the iconic clothes that they're wearing is unmistakable. Yeah. The orange turtleneck on Velma and the green shirt on Shaggy. Right. Like it's definitely them. And I think that's a cool way to, you know, without being obvious that this is a Hanna-Barbera production, it was a very serious subject matter. And when I first watched the episode and saw that, you know, Shaggy and Velma were there. And I'm like, well, why didn't they show them from the front? And I'm like, oh, well, that would have taken away from all the seriousness, right. all the credibility of the episode. But, you know, animators are notorious for sneaking things in. And I think just having them show up, but don't show their faces, just show them sort of in the background, like you said, background actors. Yeah. I think that that was probably the best way to go and kept the episodes integrity <laughs> seems to me that was one of cartoon network's first big successes when they rebooted scooby-doo right so maybe that was in the works they had some art already ready or what have you you know in the early days of hannah Barbera's tv animation you know when they sort of got the boot from mgm and started their own animation company for television i mean when they were doing yogi bear and huckleberry hound and snagglepuss and all those early characters mm -hmm. there were cameos all over the place when i first started working for boomerang i listed out like where all these little cameos took place and you know as hannah barbera became much more successful they sort of stopped doing those type of things and i feel like shaggy and velma in the background is almost like returning to those early classic years of Hanna-Barbera, you know, starting out as having to build a reputation again in the world of TV animation versus theatrical animation and just have these cameos just show up in an episode. And who knows, maybe, you know, Ted Turner said, yeah, it's fine. Have them in there, but we don't want to see their faces. <laughs> Actually, Ted Turner has a guest appearance in season four, episode 13, which was the hundredth episode. Right. I guess the Planeteers are on a TV show in that episode and they're dressed as the Flintstones. Uh, <laughs> that is so awesome. So there's another one, a few episodes previous. Actually, that was 13 mm -hmm. and Tears in the Hood is 22. But it's interesting you mentioned Boomerang. For those who don't know, Boomerang was kind of the international version of Cartoon Network. Do I have that right? I... Well, how would you classify it? <laughs> what would you call it? I don't know. It ran in other countries, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it did. It did. It did run in other countries, you know, so there was Boomerang Latin America and, you know, there was an Asia version as well. I mean, like a bunch of versions, but I always thought that because we were launching Boomerang and we already had these hubs all over the world for Cartoon Network that the international 
cartoon networks would just duplicate what we had going on in the US. You know, because we already had all those cartoons. One of the first jobs I had at Turner, I worked in the Cartoon Network library, and all of the cartoons had a Spanish, Portuguese, and French track already on the masters. Now, in terms of Asia, I'm sure there were tracks available. You know, they might have had to go to Warner Brothers directly to get those tracks. But the way that Boomerang was launched, of course, it was launched in the U.S. first, and then it was launched in the other countries as well. Well, it was during your time at Boomerang where they discovered lost episodes of Captain Planet. Yes, yes. And so I was there for all of that. And I had no idea that we had episodes missing. I mean, at this point, you know, Captain Planet was just sort of on automatic. We had it running weekday mornings and boomerang didn't have a huge budget i was actually trying to get remastered episodes of whatever warner brothers was turning around to kind of swap out if we had like an old show with old prints and a remastered version of a new hanna Barbera series was available we would try to get the new remastered version and we had actually ordered a remastered version of the perils of penelope pitstop when I got a visit <laughs> from the president of Cartoon Network, a really nice guy named Jim Samples, and he told me that we needed to order these lost episodes of Captain Planet. And it was the Captain Planet Foundation that actually brought this to our attention that these episodes had never aired in the U.S. before. And so we you know, went about getting the episodes and then the other departments, marketing and PR, they were all sort of brought in to make a really big deal of the fact that we have these lost episodes. Every year we would do an Earth Day marathon. So that was the perfect place to showcase these lost 13 episodes, you know. So it was like perfect timing. And it got a lot of promotion. I believe there was a New York Times article about it. And it was like a really big deal. And the foundation was happy. And Jim Samples was happy. And I wasn't so happy <laughs> because I really wanted Penelope Pitstop. Uh, was that hey, Paul Lynn in that one? Yeah, that was Paul Lynn. He's not credited in it, you know, yeah. and, and credits. His name doesn't show up because he didn't want people to think that he was slumming doing a voiceover for an animation company. But I'm like, dude, it's you. Everyone knows it's you. Nobody can imitate a Paul voice. Lynn, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, you know, look, Boomerang wasn't my personal channel. When you work in television, sometimes you get things you want, sometimes you don't. And that was one of the ones that got away from me. Penelope was one of the ones that got away from me. But it did bring a lot of attention and a lot of PR to the Boomerang Network that we wouldn't have normally received. So I think it worked out good for everyone around. Well, and there's been a sort of a revival of Captain Planet. I mean, I think you saw it start with Don Cheadle's Funny or Die, and now he seems to pop up everywhere. I recently saw on John Oliver's show on HBO, there was a little bit about Captain Planet. And I think people think of it fondly in that sort of niche vein of a little bit naive about the environment, but their heart was in the right place, right? Right. And the character actually showed up on a Cartoon Network show called OKKO. OK oh, right. Yes. And oh, my gosh, that appearance was awesome. I mean, it was like a real love letter to the entire Captain Planet 
series. He really kicked some ass in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He did. It was like what you wanted Captain Planet to do in all of the other episodes, in the original episodes, but he never did, you know, because to be perfectly honest, you know, there was still a lot of restrictions in kids' TV. Yeah. And up until 1992, superheroes weren't allowed to throw a punch. And Batman, the animated series, and X Men, the animated series, change that you know like in 1992 those series both debuted and next thing you know superheroes were allowed to throw punches again but this is like after a long period of time from the 1969 season up until 1992 right they couldn't throw a punch yeah i remember being in college and watching that batman series we all thought it was pretty cool i didn't even realize that that was a difference but it was definitely dark you know right 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 so I just wanted to add, there was also, at the end of the OKKO, OK they did a complete animation style turn to the Captain Planet animation style. And someone from the original cast actually reprised their role. I think it was LeVar Burton. Yeah. The name of the episode, by the way, from OKKO OK was called The Power Is Yours. The power is yours, the famous catchphrase. Yeah. Well, I yeah. noticed that they had Captain Planet rendered in a thicker line-drawn style in the production still. I didn't watch that episode, but it was cool to see him rendered in a different fashion. Oh, yeah. But that's also neat that they did that little warp, you know, that little parallel universe jump. I always love those meta moments for fans of animation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. You think we'll ever see a movie? I don't know. I heard there was some talk of a live action one with Leo DiCaprio some years back. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know about that, but I do know, like, as we were getting the Lost episodes, I got pulled to a meeting with Ted Turner's daughter. Oh, yeah. Laura Turner Seidel. She runs the foundation. Oh, okay. Well, I was in a meeting with her and they were talking about doing a big budget animated, you know, TV movie for Captain Planet that would air on Cartoon Network. And they were sort of debating whether Cartoon Network Studios would do it or Warner Brothers Studios would do it, you know. So it was very early talks about that. And I'm not sure what happened because, you know, Jim Samples left the company maybe a year later. And, you know, when you get a new regime change, whatever was promised or whatever happened previously, sometimes those deals don't you know, go forward. But the uh, other movie said it was a live action movie that was supposed to happen with Leo. Yeah, I guess there was internet rumors. This was more in the 2000s or a little bit later than the era that you're talking about. I oh, think. Okay. But, you know, we've got Captain Planet on the line here who's going to rejoin us for an interview. So that might have put a little wind in his sails. I don't know if you remember from last time he was a bit down. But I wanted to thank you, Mark. It's really always fascinating to talk to you. And you have such a incredible knowledge of so many facets of animation. So thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate uh, it. It was my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me to be a guest. And I would, you know, love to come back and talk some more animation. You want to plug your podcast or your book or anything? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So if someone wants to buy a copy of my book. It's called The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. And they can go to my website, which is T-B-S-O-O-L, which are the initials of the book. Mm -hmm. And I will send you a signed copy with a sticker and a bookmark. 
and a magnet. You just see, you're talking my language. I love all the giveaways. <laughs> I'm going to head right there. T-B-S-L-O-L. Okay. Yeah, man. And also, you know, feel free to listen to our podcast, which is called the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. And what's really great about the podcast is that we talk about things that are in my book, but also things that I didn't cover in my book, but I also have an interest in, you know, in terms of cartoons, animation, and live action. Like, why did your favorite show get canceled? Why were there only 13 episodes for this particular series? What was going on behind the scenes between the studios and the networks and all the political intrigue that went on during Saturday morning? Yeah, you are the go-to guy for that information. Uh Well, thanks again and get out there and enjoy summer. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) For sure. All right. Thanks again. Mark McRae, he never fails to amaze with his knowledge and his trivia, and he is the preeminent historian of Saturday morning cartoons. That was so cool. So next, we're going to go to our very special correspondence segment. As Mike teased at the top of the show, it's a return visit from Captain Planet. Matt, tell us a little bit about what's going to happen here. Yeah, as you guys know, we were lucky enough to get Captain Planet himself for an exclusive interview for the first time since the 90s. And we're so excited to be able to invite him back and get to some of the deeper questions we couldn't quite get to last time. I know it was an emotional experience for the captain, and we're just so glad that he could come back and continue talking with us. And we've got a lot more to talk about. So we'll jump right in. Captain Planet, welcome back. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, so, I, you know, back in the day when things weren't going so well for the planet, the planeteers could get together and they'd summon you with the rings. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it seemed like they were summoning you almost every week for a while there. Have they summoned you in a while or what, Whoa, what's going on? Yeah, no, I haven't been summoned for, well, I kept in touch with some, but, you know, these kids, they're kids then. But now they're in their 40s. Either got kids or they've dropped off the face of the earth. or uh, uh, So we don't know. We don't keep in touch. I think, let's see, Kwame, I, I, I've lost touch with a lot of folks. I know the Kwame, I think he's still around. He's been doing crypto stuff. This is just from what I hear from other circles. Yeah. I think he's involved in Cardano these days. Um which is ironic because it's so costly. Yeah. Yeah. That does surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea where Wheeler is. Yeah. Wheeler was the power of fire. Did he continue in that, you know, path or what do you know what he's up to? We lost touch. I don't know what he's doing. He was never the brightest and it was a pretty bad decision. I think to give him that power, if anything, he should have had wind or maybe Earth, but yeah. fire in the hands of Wheeler, who's just not the, he was just not smart. You know, Matt, I'd love to ask a question on the topic of Wheeler, if I can jump in, because sure. there was always a will they, won't they sort of thing with him and Linka. Yeah. I don't know, uh, did anything ever come of that? Or was there any behind the scenes scuttlebutt? They, yeah. I try not to pay attention. It was like a youth counselor. So I really just kind of looked the other way, but there was chemistry there. It was obvious to everybody. That would be a question for either one of them if you get a hold of Wheeler. But there was definitely over, I mean, flirting. It was obvious to everybody. 
but I don't know. I don't know if they hooked up. And there were some occasions where things were unusually tense between them, so you could presume that they had had some kind of conflict. And maybe that was kind of not the beginning of the end, but a facet of it. Well, how about you? I mean, do you have any new projects you're working on or something you're excited about in the future? Yeah. I mean, I find it all kind of depressing too, but, you know, there's opportunities. I uh, recently kind of got into NFTs. Again, I know it's ironic because it costs a lot of electricity to generate that stuff. And this, I don't know, this is going to sound bad. I'm kind of on the fence about this, but since you know, the youth is always the key, reaching the youth with the hope that they will restore the planet to where it's supposed to be. The youth from back then, they've all grown up. They've got cars and kids and mortgages and jobs and parents to take care of. But the new generation, it seems like an opportunity with the metaverse. You know, that kids are going to be escaping in the metaverse. Maybe that's a platform to reach kids. If they're going to be there anyway in a fantasy world, maybe we can, you know, create digital landscapes that reflect how bad the planet looks and then put it in the metaverse and then maybe build awareness there. I was trying to make some NFTs, by the way, of, of just my form and try to sell them. I don't need the money, but it's just more like, okay, maybe that could help spur people to invest again and again at what we were doing before and maybe realize that the planet they're escaping is actually needs some help. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever think you might get a promotion? I was curious, like, I mean, I think you'd probably deserve at least Lieutenant Colonel. You know, that's a good question. I mean, I never put in. Actually, I wouldn't mind. It's nice to be recognized. I could ask if I can wake her up, if I can keep her awake, you know, long enough to think about it. I could you see. You should do it. Yeah, I'm looking for real. I'm grasping at straws. I'm looking for anything kind of to get me back up. <laughs> you know, get, reclaim the vigor I had before. You know, the power is yours. I, it's, it's sure it's, it's left me, but my, that might be something. Maybe a hat, maybe a uniform or, or a medal. You got any questions for Captain Planet, Mark, while we have him? How often does he have to dry clean his uniform? <laughs> you know, it's wool. I've never uh-huh. dry cleaned it. It's this nice knit wool. I wash it when it gets smelly, but it looks good mostly all the time. You couldn't tell. So it's really, really tight weave, but that's a great question. You still rocking the mullet that's really come back these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, my hair doesn't grow, but yeah, I still have the mullet. You're ahead of the times. Gen Z is all about the mullet that's coming full circle. You know what? That gives me hope too. If that's the case, then maybe environmental protection will come into fashion again. One seems to follow the other. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, the planet I, might I not feel as warm, too, if you weren't wearing a wool costume. You're right. Different yeah. fabric. Just a thought. You'll feel cooler if you wear maybe some you know, nylon or spandex or something. Was that a penultimate question, or does anybody else yeah. have something? I think so. I think we should let the captain sleep. Yeah, let him go back to sleep. Captain, before we lose you, there's one last question. We have a sort of uncertain times and an uncertain future as Earthlings, but do you have any advice for planet Earth and the Earthlings as we enter the future? Um, You know, I ride a bike more. I just ride a bike. It's fun. Wear a helmet. That's a baby step, and that's something we could all do more of. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for your time and being with us. No better final advice than ride a bike. That sounds great. Thank you, Captain Planet. Thank you, Captain. Keep your chin up, Captain. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Okay. Wow. Wow. Whew. You know, there's been just so much frankness and candidness and honesty today, you know, both from Captain Planet and from Mark McRae. I'm actually put in the mind of Fat Albert season one, episode one, Lion, when the song, Matt, you may know this, don't go telling a lie. Mm, 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 mm. Remember that song from the Junkyard Band? Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, There were so many more questions I had about Fat Albert, but I realized this wasn't a Fat Albert show. So. I know. I was like, obviously, we have an idea if we should continue where to go. But I have been a bit dishonest during the series about some things. And I just wanted to come clean about a few things before we wrap it up. Who knows when we'll meet again. And if it's okay with you, I would like to disclose to Dutch the true nature of our relationship, Matt. I know there was some question, and we could do this on our own terms, but are you okay if I let Dutch know? Well, I think it's overdue. Yeah. Well, Matt is my brother. And honestly, Matt, I can't think of anyone that I would more want to be my brother. And, you know, I didn't feel like you should be put on the spot, or I didn't feel like you know, that information necessarily was other people's to, you know, force from us. But I'll have to tell you, it was a privilege and an honor to do the series with you. Well, I feel the same way, Sean. I'm glad it's out there. It's been out there in the world for so long. It just feels right that it's out there in this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And we get to say it, you know, other people don't have to force us to say it. I know it's the twist ending. Everyone's been waiting to find out. <laughs> They may have suspected. Well, there is one more twist. That was the penultimate twist. The final twist is I need to tell you about Britain. Oh. And before I tell you this, I think it's important that you know that Britain cares deeply for you. We both love you very much. There's nothing that you did wrong that made this happen. But Britain and I had a podcast host divorce. And I just made up the story about the volcano. You'll still be able to listen to podcasts with Britain. If you want to make podcasts, you'll do that with me. I hope that you guys, you know, maintain your relationship. But I just want you to know you didn't do anything wrong. Matt? Matt, are you okay? Oh, I think he needs to digest that, Sean. It's heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah, I'm... I'm fine. Okay. I mean, I think I knew, you know, I have always known something didn't feel right. And I just want you to be happy. So I'm glad that you guys were able to come to terms on that. Thank you. Thank you. You're such a great little brother. Thank you. Yeah. And of course, Mike is always here. Yep. I'm here. He's known for some time. Yeah, I'll probably just be in the attic for a little while with my comic books, if that's okay with you guys. Oh, yeah. Take all the time you need. If I can just make for a minute, I mean, I think it's clear the saying, you know, blood is thicker than water really resonates when I hear the two of you. 
the banter between you, you fill each other's sentences. I don't know how anybody would not have frankly picked it up that you were brothers. Mm-hmm. And that's no disrespect to Britain. Um, right. I'm not saying he's water, but maybe a little watery at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to land on his feet. Oh, yeah. And who knows? You know, maybe we'll be competing with him, you know, yeah. for downloads. Right. And there's room for everybody. That's true. Dutch is actually our older brother, Brian. So I don't think Dutch will be going with Britain, but certainly some of our other listeners that we've had over the course of six episodes might. And so I'd like to conclude by thanking our real life guests who appeared this season, Drew Kane, Sophia Cheyenne, Susan Vaslev, and of course, Mark McRae and the real life Captain Planet from episodes five and six here. And then I also want to thank our virtual listening personas, Chelsea, Kelly, Corbin, Destiny, Leslie, Puddles, Emil, and Dutch. It's been a great ride, and we're so pleased to have you along with us. Mike, thank you, as always. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure, Sean. Thank you for all the energy you put into the series, and hope we get to do it again sometime. Nothing middling about it, Sean. Just pure delight. Yeah. And, yeah, we will see you guys in the comment section. (laughs) 